Our scripture this morning comes from Proverbs chapter 11, verses 24 and 25. Some give freely, yet grow all the richer. Others withhold what is due and only suffer want. A generous person will be enriched, and one who gives water will get water. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, good morning again, and welcome to week three of our series, Earn, Save, Give, All You Can. And over the course of these past three weeks, we've been working on gaining a new perspective, working on our relationship with our money, trying to gain a deeper understanding of what it means to be faithful in all our relationships, but especially in our relationship with the money that God has blessed us with. So I want to ask you this morning, do you remember Wesley's advice on the use of money? Wesley says that we should... Okay, we're going to do this together. Are you ready? All right, I've, I believe in you. We can do this. Wesley's first piece of advice is... Very good. His second piece of advice is... And number three... Earn all you can, save all you can, and give all that you can. Wesley says first, earn all that you can. Use your gifts, use your graces, use your God-given talents and abilities, not only to make money to earn, but also to make a difference by your earning, to let your earning be connected to your call. So that not only are you earning money in a way that's ethical and honorable, but that earning, that work that you are doing is helping you to live into God's call and purpose on your life. Wesley would tell us that our earning should be connected to our calling. Then Wesley says, once you've earned all you can, you've got to save all you can because saving not only gives us margin in our lives, but it also protects us from life's unexpected events. And believe me, unexpected events are coming. Like a hurricane in the Gulf of Mexico, that is an unexpected event, is it not? Surveys say that all of us are due for a major expense, a major emergency or crisis in our life every 10 years. Some uh, who are less conservative say every eight years we should anticipate. We should anticipate a crisis that requires us to pay out more than perhaps we have in a number of years, that we are all due at some point for life's unexpected moments. And if we haven't saved all that we can, we'll find ourselves in trouble. But saving, earning and saving, they lead us toward our third uh, part of our relationship with money, and that is giving. Wesley says, earn all you can, save all you can, and give all you can. That covers everything you can healthily and responsibly do with money. Earn, save, and give. And as Christians, we earn and save so that we might be positioned to give. So that we might be in a position that we're able to bless others. Because we're called to do more than just hoard the gifts that God pours out on us. We're called to bless others and bless God through our giving. And we can't give if we're not earning and saving. You see, John Wesley's advice doesn't work in any other order except for the way that he presents it. You can't give first and then save 
and then earn. It, it doesn't work that way. You have to position yourself by your earning and by your saving to be in a place where you can give. And today we have the opportunity to give in ways that others before us never have. But the key, again, is earning and saving so that you are in the right place to give. When Wesley first preached this message on the use of money, he was preaching largely to a, a poor and lower class crowd. But that crowd began to take Wesley's advice seriously. And they found themselves with great wealth over time. They found themselves in a different position. In fact, such a different place uh, they found themselves in that Wesley had to begin preaching on the dangers of money, on the danger of wealth, of having so much that you feel like you don't have to rely on God anymore. And one of Wesley's favorite passages of Scripture about the dangers of money is the text we're going to be diving into this morning. It's from 1 Timothy 6, 17 to 19. And remember, when we're reading 1 Timothy, we're reading Paul, who's been a mentor to Timothy. We're reading his advice to this young preacher who is going to plant a church to build a community of faith. So listen to what Paul says to his student, Timothy. He says, As for those who in the present age are rich, command them not to be haughty. Now, haughty is not a word that we use all that often in our language anymore. What Paul's saying is, command them not to think too much of themselves or to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but rather on God who richly provides us with everything we need for our enjoyment. They, that's those who are rich, they are to do good, to be rich in good works, generous and ready to share, thus storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of life that truly is life, life that really is life. Paul says to those of us who are rich, and let me clarify something for you for just a second. No matter where you find yourselves on the pay scale this morning, if you're sitting in this room that's nice and air-conditioned, you're in the top 1% of wage earners in the world. You are the rich. We are the rich. Paul writes these words to us. We don't get to sort of skirt around them because we don't have as much as some people that we know. These words are written to us friends, the body of Christ, and we have found ourselves in a position of great wealth. The question is, what will we do with it? Paul says to those of us who are rich that we need to make sure that we are not lording our riches, lording our wealth or our position over people. We need to make sure that we have a healthy perspective and relationship with money and that we're not just acting like the world around us, which is easy to do. The world around us is consumed with consumption. It's consumed with flaunting wealth or perhaps just their credit limit. Our world is consumed with flaunting its power. And if we aren't careful, we'll find ourselves doing the very same thing. And the reason that people do that, the reason they flaunt their wealth, is because we believe that what we've earned and saved makes us exceptional. That somehow we're different than everyone else and our exceptionality is what makes us secure. That because we're exceptional, we are different than everybody else. 
But Paul says, listen up. If you find yourself being exceptional, be on guard because your riches are fleeting. Paul says, don't trust riches, trust God. Why? Because riches are uncertain. Riches come and go. Ask anyone who had money in the stock market in 2008 or 2022. Your riches, your wealth is fleeting. If you're looking at your IRA or your 401k statements, they're not encouraging right now, are they? Wealth is fleeting. What bought, uh, what $100 at the grocery store bought last year will not cover the bill this year, will it? Wealth, riches, they are fleeting. But we, like so many people, believe it's our wealth that will make us secure. But if we put our hope in wealth, we're actually taking away our hope in Jesus Christ. Paul would say, don't trust riches. Trust God as the sure foundation for your faith. Trust God who will keep you secure in every season of your life. Trust God who will never let you down, but who will walk with you through fire and flood, who will go with you from beginning to the end. Trust God who holds your life, and even more than your life, your soul, secure. And as you trust God, be sure to do two other things. Paul says, first, do good. If you've got wealth, if you've got money, you can do lots of things. That's one of the things that wealth affords you. If you have wealth, you can do extravagant things. You can do pretentious things. I've seen that before. You can do fleeting and momentary things on a whim. You can buy a fleet of cars or a massive house or a second house or a vacation home. Or maybe you could just eat out every night. You can spend every dollar you earn on yourself. Or, there's an option here. You can save some and use some to make a difference for others. You can give some to do something that matters. You can do something that makes a difference for God and for God's kingdom. You can do something that makes a difference for our neighbors here in Statesboro, and you can do something with your wealth that makes a difference for our neighbors around the world. And it's much simpler than you think. I have a friend just a couple counties over um, who, who was um, preaching at two small churches. He was on a, on a charge, and he preached at these two small churches when suddenly these two churches found themselves um, with a massive windfall of $5,000. I thought, my goodness, the wealth. <laughs> my goodness, what are we going to do with this $5,000? And they began to talk about how God had blessed them and, and that God was expecting them to do something with the blessing. And so they began to think and pray about what they might do and they said, we're going to take this $5,000 and we're going to grow it to $25,000. Not for the sake of our church, not for the sake um, of, of our county, but for the sake of God's kingdom. So they grew their $5,000 into $25,000 by doing some campaigning to raise money to pack meals for people around the world. Those two little churches ended up raising enough money to pack 100,000 meals to make a difference 
for some people that they would never met, but people who are deeply loved by Jesus Christ. $25,000 is no small sum of money. That's a lot of money. And the temptation, even with the 5000 would be to spend it on yourself, right? I mean, you could use some new paint inside the sanctuary. Or maybe you could finally fix that leak that's bothering you over in the fellowship hall. That $5,000, you could use it to give your staff bonuses or, or to throw a, a block party for everybody who's in your neighborhood. But they chose to do more to multiply the gift so that the impact could be multiplied around the world. They were responsible for the gift and the blessing that God gave them. And because of that, they did incredible good. Friends, we are called to do good with the blessings that God has bestowed on our lives. We're going to be asked what we did with all that we've been given, and we're going to be held to account for them. So my encouragement to you is with your wealth, choose to do good. But don't just do good. Find ways to be generous. Now, generous and generosity, those are confusing words in our culture. So I want you to know just what it means. This is the definition I want to share with you. To be generous is to show a readiness to give more of something, as in money or time, than is strictly necessary or expected more than what is strictly necessary or expected. Generosity is what we practice when we give in the church. Generosity is what we practice when we go above and beyond what is expected of us. When we give to the church, we're practicing generosity. And the fact of the matter is that you and I can live our lives and be happy and comfortable by only earning and saving. But what Paul is getting at here is this idea that the Christian life isn't just about our own comfort and our own safety and our own security and our own advancement, but instead is about showing generosity and being willing to share what we have for the benefit of others. In fact, throughout the scriptures, when we see Jesus talking about money, he doesn't often talk about the tithe or a percentage. He talks about being generous, often extravagantly generous. If you have your Bible with you this morning, open it up to Mark chapter 12. In Mark chapter 12, Jesus and his disciples are at the temple, and, and they're in the place inside of the temple where people bring their tithes and offerings. And this is what it says there in Mark 12, 41. It says, Jesus sat down opposite the treasury and watched the crowd putting money into the treasury. You would take your, your gifts and you'd sort of put them in these bins and, and there would be some noise as the coins clanked down the chute. It says there that uh, many rich people put in large sums. And if you were a rich person in ancient Israel, what you would do is make sure you had lots and lots of coins. You guys ever go to the, the, uh, the grocery store or to Walmart when somebody's at the Coinstar machine? Do you know what I'm talking about? The Coinstar machine where you take your coins and convert them to cash or gift cards. And there's this sound of coins being dumped into a bin. And then the coin counter counting things away. I imagine that's the sound that's happening inside of the temple. So many rich people are coming and they're putting in these large sums and there's clinking as the coins bounce down to the bottom. Verse 42, it says, A poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, two mites, which are worth a penny. 
And what's interesting here is that Jesus' heart is not touched by the vast sums of money that the wealthy folks who want to be seen put into the bins. Jesus' heart is moved by the sacrificial gift of this widow. He calls his disciples over and he says to them, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the treasury. For all of them have contributed out of their abundance. They gave because they had been blessed, but she out of her poverty has put in everything she had, all that she had to live on. Why is this act of giving, this act of generosity so different, so unusual than the rest that were happening that day? It's because this widow was willing to give from her heart. Her love of God had no bounds in this moment. She gave even though she couldn't afford it. She gave because she wanted to give. She gave not because she was compelled by her guilt or her fear or her reward. She gave because of her great love for God. And she gave sacrificially that way. And God took notice. Jesus took notice. Friends, when we give, and when we give sacrificially, God takes notice. The heart of God is moved. Giving, true giving, true generosity, it's sacrificial. It gives over and above what is expected in order to bless others and to see God's kingdom advanced on earth. Sacrificial giving is giving until it hurts. And there's this sort of recklessness in it that's sort of unreasonable when our culture looks at us. And when we give that way sacrificially, it's not so that we can get rewarded. It's not so that uh, we get some special blessing from God. We give sacrificially as a statement of faith to say that our faith is not in our money. Our faith is not in our wealth. Our security and our salvation are not there, but they are in Christ and Christ alone. Friends, we are called to be a faithful people. And we are called to be a generous people. A people who care for the needs of those who are in our congregation, those who are outside of our congregation, and those who are our neighbors around the world. Wesley's advice to earn, save, and give all that we can allows us to be in a position to bless others extravagantly with the same love and extravagance that God has blessed us with. My hope and prayer for you in these weeks is that you've had time to take a look at your own resources, at the blessings that God's given you, that you've had time to think about your relationship with your wealth and discern in your heart and in your mind what it is that God is calling you to give. Remember, generosity isn't tied to an amount. It's tied to your character and your perspective and relationship with money. If you see money as your security and as your salvation, the truth of the matter is you won't ever give. But if you see money as a tool that can be used for the good of God's kingdom, for the good of others, then I believe your heart will be warmed and you will be compelled to give graciously.
So friends, don't just be givers. Be give gener- become generous givers. Become people whose heart to bless others is a reflection of God's heart to bless us. This morning, you are invited to give because much has been given to you and you have been blessed. We have been blessed that we might be a blessing. Would you pray with me today? Almighty God, you have poured out blessing upon blessing on our lives. You have given us more than we could have ever asked or imagined, God. In every season of our life, you have been faithful. You have been the one who's upheld us, who's made us strong, who's given us confidence and peace and hope. Even in moments when it seemed like hope was far away, Lord, you were there guiding us, protecting us, watching over us, and making a way for us. And so, Lord, this morning we put our trust in you once more and in your saving grace that comes to us through Jesus Christ. Father, give us the confidence to make you the Lord, not just of our souls, God, but the Lord of all of our finances and all of the blessings you've poured out on us. Allow us to be a generous people who bless the world, not in our name, God, but in your name. This we pray through Christ our Savior and Lord. Amen.